You're listening to Do What You Want Radio, a podcast series for creative entrepreneurs, freelancers, and those ready to learn how to do what they want. I'm your host, Jordan Heffler. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Do What You Want Radio. I am here with my guests today, Taylor S. Hunter and Helena Williams of The Walls Project here in Baton Rouge, and they both also do creative things on the side as well. So we're going to chat all about that today. Awesome. Hi, everyone. It's really awesome to be here. Um, So I work for the Walsh Project as the program coordinator for our youth program called the Futures Funds. We offer students in middle school and high school classes in digital photography and coding for the web. So teaching them the art of photography, how to be an entrepreneur in photography, and then also how to build websites and design apps. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Um, And I'm Helena Williams. I have many hats at the Walls Project, some of them being the um, MLK Fest program coordinator, as well as the marketing and communications director and the director of operations. Um, So I do more than I should um, (laughs) in terms of what what is probably healthy for me, but uh, I'm so passionate about what I do that it's really easy to get overwhelmed with like wanting to put more and more on mm-hmm. um and then on my my personal business i uh have uh laney bird designs which is a freelance graphic design agency as well as hellcat design co which is my um pretty much pins uh, enamel pins and t-shirts and just really cool kind of gothy vibe because that's how i am um which is very different for Louisiana that I've discovered, which I love. Um, but yeah, and so I've worked with Taylor for about two years now. I've worked with the Walls Project for since 2013, so I can't believe it's six years. Um, but I know that it's been a really interesting journey so far for both of us. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and so I'm somewhat familiar with the Walls Project just being a creative person in Baton Rouge, but I don't know the whole ins and outs of what it actually is and what it does, who it supports. All that. So can one of you explain to me the Walls Project? Yes. (laughs) Yes. This is, I I have this spiel very memorized. Um, So Walls Project started in 2012. Uh, During that time, the main goal was just about beautifying downtown Baton Rouge. At the time, it's hard to think of now because it's bustling or growing so fast. But uh, in 2012, it was pretty much ghost town. Uh, When you went down, there was only government buildings maybe one or two, like a Subway and a po' boy shop, but it really isn't the vibrant place that we have now with that median, with the big screen and place mm-hmm. to sit. Um, so our founders, the goal, they did a Kickstarter to basically get murals downtown, and that went off so well that they're like, well, let's keep doing this. Now, the pivotal change came when we discovered that murals – Painting murals on blighted properties, like buildings that have been abandoned or that just need that update, really bring not only awareness to the areas that they get put in, because now people are driving to see the murals, but it also, um, our murals, we always keep them very centric to the people that live there. So it tells a story of the community that's there. So people feel like invested in not only the building and the art, but invested into the community that we want you to spread your voice and have you be heard. Um, and from that, in the, the Walls Practice has always been run and managed by creative individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's, hard, it's a hard balance being the right and left brain. 
but um, we definitely try to do it as best we can. Um, we um, we are very structured, which is not typical of creative individuals, but we're also very loose-minded in that we, um, we're, we're very accepting of different ideas, concepts, different artist styles, and um, we've truly branched outside of murals since 2016 was when we started the Futures Fund program. And the goal of that program was to essentially create a creative agency for teens. And so we started with coding and photography because web design and photography are one of the biggest backbones of marketing. Mm -hmm. And um, that's where we've kind of stayed with that as we we're going to add more tracks as we've really honed down and uh, developed our existing curriculums. Um, we're very, like, we have big dreams, but we want to make sure we do it right so that everyone involved comes out of the end the best that they can. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, and then since then, um, in, I would say 2015, it's been five, this was the fifth year. Uh, yeah, 2015, we started MLK Fest. So um, it started as a one-day festival where we just painted the pillars on the overpass, um, where um, Charles Barbier's paintings are of the LSU football players, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it that was just a one-day event with 300 volunteers, and now it's a four-day festival with we had four we had almost 5,000 volunteers. So uh, show up over the weekend to beautify uh, Winburn Avenue. So we. We basically want to bring art, creativity, culture, uh, entrepreneurship, economic development, crime safety, all that, combine it into one organization, and then just make Baton Rouge and, and pretty much anywhere we end up better. And that's our goal. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I think I can definitely identify with just you talking about this this whole trajectory that downtown has had. Like, I moved to Baton Rouge from the Lake Charles area in 2010 to come to LSU, and just since 2010, like, so Mm -hmm. much has changed, and I was kind of in my LSU bubble for those four years I was in college, like, where I had never even, I didn't know what Government Street was. I didn't never go downtown. I wasn't old enough to go out there. There wasn't (laughs) anything to do. Like, and Mm -hmm. so graduating in 2014, just from then to now, so much has happened, and, like, the Wallace Project has been such a huge part of that, especially as a freelance photographer, I'm always finding new murals. I'm like, who's right. doing this? This is awesome. Yes. I can take a cool picture here, mm-hmm. like something new to see, like going to different parts of town I never would have seen before. Um, so it's interesting to hear the whole backstory of how that manifested itself. Yeah, yeah. And w- one great thing, so we love finding our murals used as backdrops because we want our murals to be interacted with. We want people to enjoy them more than just visually. It's public art. It's for everyone. Not everyone can make it to Manship Theater and see art there mm-hmm. um and but some a lot of people who have to drive or ride buses mm-hmm. and so seeing it um on that way we're opening the doors of just creative and artistic expression seeping into everyday life so taylor how did you get involved with the walls project so i got involved with the walls project in 2015 it was literally like a month after i graduated from college Um, I graduated in psychology, and I was searching for jobs, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. 
in that field, but mm -hmm. I did know that I wanted to continue my photography. I was passionate about the arts, and I figured, you know, I have the paper, I have the degree. Let me start going after the gigs and the things that I'm actually passionate about in life. So somehow a meeting came up, and I met our director of the Walsh Project, and he asked me to come on as a photography instructor for the Futures Fund. Now, I've never taught a student. I've never been a teacher, never have been educated in that background. So at first I was a little bit hesitant about joining because I didn't really feel like I had much to offer because I was kind of new in this and just was like, it was a new and fresh space. So I decided to give it a go. And the first two weeks I fell in love with my students. Um, not only was I meeting these cool kids who were like just a few years younger than me mm -hmm. but I also was honing more into my own craft as a photographer because if you have to teach someone you better know what you're talking about you better know what you're talking <laughs> so about scary so, exactly <laughs> but it really made me step up my game as a photographer and it just instilled in me this um, determination to not only get better for myself but to get better for my students um, and I also got the opportunity to meet other creatives through the Walsh Project in the Futures Fund. Um, so beforehand, you know, I was shooting around all the time by myself. I was scared to reach out to people, scared to connect to people, because how do I go up to this pro photographer and tell them, like, hey, I'm just starting out. Can you help me? I was so nervous about doing that. But being an instructor with the Futures Fund, I was able to meet other young photographers who were up and coming or other pro photographers who had been established for years before me and what I realized was that all of those people were extremely willing to give me advice to give mm -hmm. me tips to help better myself and it really made me dig deeper as far as being more open about building a support system of creatives well you're a really 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 talented photographer I know I've been I obsessed know. with your work for so long <laughs> so the fact that you had the imposter syndrome just like everyone else does is mm -hmm. is I mean, I don't want to say it's, like, nice to hear because I don't want you to have that problem, right, but right. it is nice to hear that we're not all alone. Um, not alone at all. No, I think you're really, really good, so. Thank you so much. I can only imagine being your student. So tell right. me about, like, the types of chil children, I guess, teens, yeah. students yes. that you have in these uh, yeah. courses. So a lot of our teens come into the program, and they're not really sure of themselves. You know, I mean, we've all been teenagers. We've all been confused. Our parents are telling us, no, go do this. Go to college to do this, this, and this, but... In the back of our heads, we're like, what if I could follow my passion? What if I could really do what my heart is telling me to do? So a lot of the students that come to our program are students that have that type of background. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are kind of reserved, really quiet. Um, they're not very open. But what you see is when you put that camera in their hands and you start to teach them the art of photography and the thought process behind it, they start to open up and they start to explore themselves more and explore their community and ask more questions that technically in schools you feel like you can't speak out loud, mm -hmm. you can't say these things. But at the Futures Fund, we have a very open culture so we accept our students come and talk about how their week is going you know if they're having a rough time today like what's going on at home you know how can we bring this out through your art so I think that's what's really the difference in our program is that it's really um it's motivating you know mm -hmm. and it, it teaches people to be themselves and builds them up and it gives them just a space to be who they want to be so is this like a 
program that's happening like within the schools or are they coming to y'all's place is it after school is it like a cool ymca type thing or is it like during school hours good question so the futures fund runs programming every fall and spring on saturdays only from 9 a.m to 1 p.m at brcc mid-city and at southern university so that's another cool aspect of the program is that it takes place on a college campus and what studies say and research says is that when students are introduced to college campuses early, they have a better idea or a better mindset that they can actually be there in the next few years. You know, it gives them the actual confidence that, hey, this can be me and I can be here and I can do this, you know. Mm -hmm. And that is if they want to go on that path to college. We never force it on students that you have to go to college Mm -hmm. or that you have to do this if you're doing photography, you know. We also instill in them just entrepreneurship tips, you know, networking, problem solving, branding yourself, all of these things that are super important to our youth right now. Mm-hmm. And the crazy part about it is they're already doing this through Instagram, social media, mm-hmm. but they don't even realize it. So for us to show them that, hey, you're doing this every day, but let me help you build the skills to better yourself and see what you can get out of it, that's so awesome. Um, another really cool thing about our program is once the students complete all three levels of photography or coding, we have a work-study program, and it acts as basically an internship or an apprenticeship. So for the photography students, they actually get to go out to gigs, whether it be like a gala or a school dance, senior portraits, um, headshots. The students go out, and they work on that gig assisted by a freelance photographer, and they actually get paid a living wage of $15 an hour to do so. So our students in our program um, also build websites. The students are encoding. They build apps for different organizations. Hey, if jordanheffler.com needs an update, our Like, students, can I come be a student? Like, can I come learn right. from you? Exactly. So we're instilling in them that you can take what you have right now, the skills, and use that and hustle and grind in real life. So Right now, our students um, over the past years have earned over $50,000 in income generated by themselves. And this is kids, not kids, I hate to use that word, (laughs) students ages 15 through 18. So just, I like to put that in perspective and think about that because I never felt like I had someone pushing me at that young of an age to go in a path that I actually liked or desired to. Mm -hmm. It was always like, be a lawyer, be a doctor, be a nurse. And those things are great too, but... Well, who has the right to say that you can't make money doing what you love and being a creative, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. No, I think that's a really cool way to put it in perspective and see how it's being applied in real life because, Mm -hmm. I mean, even just people our age now have issues doing Mm -hmm. what they want to do because they're afraid they can't apply it to real life scenarios and just to see that y'all have a program that's kind of facilitating that Mm -hmm. is pretty incredible. Well, one of the huge things about what the Walls Project Uh, is aimed towards doing is stimulating the creative economy Mm -hmm. having artists being paid what there's they're worth um baton rouge is it's growing but the creative culture in baton rouge isn't what it is in new orleans it's not what it is in lafayette so we're as a program based in baton rouge we um on top of the fifty thousand that the students have raised we were able to um we have over a million dollars in just artistic uh uh, economic growth so that's paying our muralists paying our instructors that are rub designers and uh, photographers uh, paying um, professionals that are in the creative industry like me like they paid me for graphic design so just being able to invest locally mm-hmm. in the creatives here and um, hopefully explode that creative economy which I'm so happy I think it's through really social media that we've been able to develop like 
we have, because I know all three of us have pretty active social media accounts, um, and without it, we wouldn't be able to do what it's a, it's a harder hustle, mm -hmm. but I do see the growth in Baton Rouge and the potential for really becoming not, I mean, hopefully the next Austin, you never know, but just yeah. you know, being a cool mecca for creative, just entrepreneurship. That's Absolutely. a conversation I feel like I end up having with a lot of people all the time, because to be perfectly honest, Baton Rouge has never felt like like where I'm from, mm -hmm. but now I've lived here long enough to where I'm like, should I be saying I'm from Baton Rouge? Right. I don't know. Like <laughs> I grew up in Phoenix until I was 14, but my parents are from the Lake Charles area. So we'd come every summer and then mm -hmm. I moved to the Lake Charles area for high school for that's just four, four years. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to Baton Rouge for college and I just never left. So now I'm like, I don't know where to say I'm from. Mm -hmm. right. And it's so weird because Baton Rouge is kind of caught in between these two culturally rich cities like New Orleans and Lafayette, which are like world famous for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And Baton Rouge sometimes is lost in the mix, I feel mm -hmm. like. And a lot of stuff has happened at least since I've moved here, I don't know if it's just me noticing it because I've lived here this long, or if it truly has been, like, this is the decade of, like, change in Baton Rouge. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Um, but I feel like it's always, like, a talking point to really be, like, oh, well, we're always comparing Baton Rouge to somewhere else, mm -hmm. but it's kind of because it doesn't always get the same um, attention that it should. And, I mean, so much has happened recently to where I think it is becoming on the same level as, like, cities like Austin or mm -hmm. wherever else. Mm -hmm. And, um... And I, I can definitely see it in the other people our age because I know a lot of my friends graduated up from LSU and they left. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, they came Always. here for college or they moved away or whatever. And I um, had struggled to really find the young professional like community here. Yes, and absolutely. I'm still looking to grow my network of people. But it's been crazy how many people have um, not come forward. They were here, but I had to find them outside of college friends you know right. and, this, right. it's, and it's, it's things like creative communities here like the photographer community or the mm -hmm. graphic design community or the conferences that happen or mm -hmm. whatever and um I think it's definitely been something that's I've noticed in the past like four years or so and I don't know if it's because I've noticed it because I have graduated or if it truly has just been booming I can't tell right. <laughs> I think that the interconnectivity of social media allowing mm -hmm. us to talk mm -hmm. to each other was what really has helped yeah um because, yeah, I try to always, because I, I specialize in marketing, I always try to think back of how things were done before. And uh, stories weren't, stories were more national. Stories, you know, we didn't have, we had clubs, but it really just, you had to know about it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think being just the gasoline to the fire of the yeah. creative industry is social media. Mm -hmm. And we're, uh, I feel so fortunate to be a part of an organization that truly understands and utilizes the importance of social media like Facebook and Instagram. Um, we're trying to get better on Twitter, but I, I haven't got quite in the hang right. of it. I don't know what to tweet. <laughs> yeah. uh, I love Twitter, but it's, it's I think every brand and every person thrives on a different platform. Yeah. And yeah. not yeah. every brand needs to be exactly. everywhere. Some brands need to be everywhere. Yeah. If you're like right. CNN, you need to be everywhere. If right. you're, but if you're like I always throw, like, bounty paper towels as, like, an example. Like, once there was a sponsored Instagram post for bounty paper towels, and I was <laughs> like, like why? why? But then I was like, I guess you have to be on there now. I don't know. Yeah, and exactly. so I think it's wherever you think you thrive is where you need to be. But mm -hmm. yeah. um, definitely, like, Twitter is a different world for, like, especially aesthetic stuff. Like, yeah. visual yeah. for me, it's just fun. It's, it's entertainment, yes. you right. know? There's right. just people joking on there about who knows what. Yeah. But as far as, like, like, it'd be, like, a portfolio-type site. It's yeah. not necessarily the yeah, best way to show exactly. 
Because then it work. starts meshing all kinds of different things, mm-hmm. and you're like, I want to be clear and concise about my brand sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think another thing, piggybacking off of the change in Baton Rouge that I was thinking, is that I think the culture is just shifting. Mm-hmm. You know, for a while, everyone thought artists and freelancers that we were going to starve. Mm-hmm. And people are seeing now that we're not starving. We are grinding, and we're hustling, and we are changing the narrative that as an entrepreneur, you can sustain yourself, mm-hmm. you know? And I think... It's really incredible that, like, millennials, I feel like we're not the first to do it, but we're the first to kind of, like, be forced to do so because, you know, like, me and Helena, we both work at the Walls Project, but we also have our own things going on on the side as well, Mm -hmm. and we're seeing that we can do both, you know, Mm -hmm. and if you're passionate about something, you can work somewhere, especially somewhere that helps hone in that creative ability, but you can also build what you want as well. Yeah, and working with the Walls Project raises a unique perspective Mm -hmm. of not only doing our freelance things, but actually working at a place that we want to remain at. Because mm-hmm. um, I know a lot of freelancers, I mean, even before I worked with The Walls Project, wherever I worked, I was just waiting, biding my time for when I can be free mm-hmm. to do freelance. And so this is almost the opposite. And I guess we need to recognize that that is a potential thing that people run into is finding that organization or company that is their dream company, dream job. And that doesn't mean you need to necessarily lose your freelance Mm -hmm. abilities. It does take the time away from it. But, um, you know, as I think perpetual entrepreneurs, we're always grinding and we're going to be constantly working ourselves to death. But that's how we like it. That's something I kind of was talking to y'all about before we started recording, but it's something I wanted to talk about on this podcast with all types of people. I really had a, a vision of talking to people who left corporate America to pursue their dream full-time, and I also want to talk to people who work for a big company but have a cool job or mm-hmm. are happy doing their thing 9 to 5. And um, I mean, I think you can be a creative without having to be an entrepreneur, and you can be a creative entrepreneur without having to work for yourself mm-hmm. full-time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I think it's interesting to have conversations with people of all ends of the spectrum because there's people like, y'all, and I can identify with this because I, I talked about this before, but I used to work at Manship Theater full-time doing graphic design, and I only worked there full-time for a year mm-hmm. um, before I realized that financially and with the amount of work I was doing for photography, it made more sense for me to kind of leave. Well, they asked me, please don't leave. Like, <laughs> just stay once right. a week until we figure it out. And it's been almost it's two and a half years or so of oh, me going wow. once a week. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so it's we've made it work. And it's because I wouldn't keep doing that if I didn't like doing it. Right. So, I mean, what is it, the one extra day a week? I could just say no. But I do love doing that and it's also a nonprofit, and I like being creative for a different brand sometimes and um it's it's interesting to change your perspective and and work on something for someone else to get out of your own head yeah and it's a little bit of a cushion to where like if it's a slow month then I do have that one day that I go there but um I think it's not always like a shameful thing to be like I work somewhere and I freelance mm-hmm. um if you like where you work then you don't necessarily have to <laughs> quit everything and drop everything so how has like working at the walls project changed y'all's perspective for your freelance endeavors and i was like i have to think about it uh i think for me it's really opened up the amount of opportunities that are actually out there Mm -hmm. um just being in a space with an organization that's so connected in the community Mm -hmm. with different individuals and different businesses i was able to meet people that i might not have met on my own through my organization so you know when i'm out 
talking about the Future Spun of the Walls project, I might meet a potential client that is looking for photography for an event or photography for this that I can work myself and I can also bring a student along with me to shadow and gain experience doing photography for an event they've never done before. Right. So I've just been able to find a lot of cool ways to make the two worlds intersect. Mm-hmm. And also I've taught myself to just not put myself in a box. I just do not like being boxed in and, like, labeled that I have to be this or that. So I try to kind of, like, make it my own and shapeshift. Yes, I'm a program coordinator for a youth program, but I'm also a freelance photographer that is interested in editorial shoots and mm-hmm. this and that. I just try to keep rearranging my Rubik's, Rubik's Cube, mm-hmm. basically, of, like, who I am so that I'm never just stagnant or just in one place I like to just keep it moving and keep changing and switching because as humans we are growing and our interests change and mm-hmm. I, I do enjoy that the Walls Project kind of helps me and doesn't like pull me back when those interests do change yeah I, I would agree with that and that's kind of the whole spirit of why do what you want became a <laughs> slogan-ish for me because I was having the same issue leaving Manship full-time it was like literally the month after I decided I was gonna like do photography full-time right and I went to this conference and they were like what's your battle cry like what do you do what's your elevator speech and I was like I don't know I just do what I want exactly. and, they, and my friend mm-hmm. Eric you know was like that's your battle cry and I was like oh wow okay well then <laughs> then it's like this relief that like oh I don't have to box in like I don't have to be a wedding photographer or right. a music photographer mm-hmm, or exactly. a graphic designer or a whatever like exactly. I can do a little bit of everything that You're I want Netflix, right? and next yeah. year maybe I won't do any photography maybe I'll watercolor all yes. year I don't know like the whole point is for it to be like an evolving thing that you're not pigeonholed into I so it. I totally agree with that statement because I, I understand how having a niche or niche I never know how I'm Me saying either. it <laughs> gif jif yeah <laughs> euro gyro I don't know um no but having like a niche is beneficial if you're trying to grow fast Mm -hmm. because you're a specialty thing but I don't think there's anything wrong with having your hands in lots of different like buckets yeah um so because I wear so many hats I've learned so many different things you know you know I've got the marketing background graphic design background um now finance and QuickBooks and all these just crazy Salesforce Mm -hmm. um social media background so that in itself has taught me how to uh, just discover where my strengths and weaknesses are Mm -hmm. because we're not one of the problems that I've had to kind of come to terms with is the the old adage of uh, jack of all trades but master of none yes so that's almost the flip side of what Taylor was saying in that she doesn't want to pigeonhole herself but if you spread too much you can't be very good at one thing. And so that's where I'm learning is the opposite of Lainey, you can do it, which is, by the way, my nickname is, I call myself Lainey. Sorry. <laughs> I forget. Because Helena's my grown-up name that um, I've only started using in, like, the past year. Oh, really? Helena's so you're not used to it. Yeah. Helena is my real name, but I go by Lainey's. That was my baby name. Helene. Helene. I know. That <laughs> works. Um, anyway, but just trying to... Make sure that I, I become good at one thing and then then kind of stretching my legs instead of trying to be good at, like, coding and, mm-hmm. and then all this, which I do learn and, and know how to utilize it. And that, that extra quill in my pen is good. But in terms of building your brand and understanding yourself, I think it is good to kind of pinpoint different things that you want to focus on. Yep. That reminds me of... I don't remember who I was talking to about this, 
Um, that's why I started a podcast so I could start recording every conversation I ever have <laughs> for reference points. But I was having this conversation with someone about that and how it's like us as like creative entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and these marketing mindsets we have, we want to monetize everything. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can do all those things. Like you can be a gardener, you can be a skydiver, whatever, but it doesn't mean you have to monetize it and make it part of your brand. Right, it can right, still yes. just be something you a do. Hobby, right. And like, I'm like, what's a hobby? Like I just yeah. want to turn all my hobbies exactly. into <laughs> how I make a salary right. because yeah. it's hard to differentiate when like what you do is what you love. And so all of a sudden everything that I like to do is what I'm good at doing, which mm-hmm. is what I'm getting paid to do. It's and sometimes, cloudy. sometimes mm-hmm. I just want to like design something for fun and not have someone asked me if I could do it for them. Exactly. Or if maybe if I do it for them, does it mean I have to, like, charge them? Or could it just be for fun, for fun. like, for mm-hmm. a friend? Yeah. So I think trying to take a step back and be like, you don't have to monetize everything. Um, you don't have to be, like, the best at everything. You can yep. just try it. Yeah. And it doesn't have to, like, be posted on social media. And it doesn't have to be, like, what you're known for mm-hmm. or right. what your brand's just known do it for. for fun sometimes, you <laughs> yeah. know? Sometimes I you totally forget that. that cause, but then you, like, you overwhelm yourself and you get anxious because you're, like, I have to do all these things. Yes. I have to be a graphic designer and a photographer and whatever. And you don't have to. I mean, if you want to, you can. But, like, you can just also just <laughs> do something on the side for right. fun without having to, like, worry about being so good that people can pay you for it. Exactly. Right. And I totally forget about that because yeah. I'm just like... You just reminded me that, wow, that sounds like a foreign concept. <laughs> I, wow. I know because I'm like, why can't I just go like play tennis for fun? And like now all of a sudden I'm like, how can I do tennis lessons? Like, how can I be like, Serena? Like, like what's <laughs> Yeah. And I think when you're kids, like it's easier to just kind of like dabble in everything and be mm-hmm. kind of good at everything because mm-hmm. there's no pressure. And then as soon as you start like putting dollar signs on it all, it makes it harder. It takes all the fun away. Well, and just the competition of it all too. Yeah. I, I think even though we're in really a good place as a community of creatives that we're we've learned to not be so competitive against each other but there is still someone else who could get, get hired so if I could do one more thing mm-hmm. then I would look more lucrative knowing that they can go to me for doing a website because I can do the photography I can set up the the code I can design the website um, so it is very hard to not set yourself all these expectations mm-hmm. of I've got to learn everything mm-hmm. so that I'm that one-stop shop. Uh, so, it, yeah, it's kind of a, it's a weird... It's a balance. Balance, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I feel like I keep saying that word with everyone. On this, <laughs> every episode, someone brings up the word balance. What is balance? I, no yes. one knows. Have but you found it yet? No. What's the recipe? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. And I haven't been going to yoga recently, so Neither physical balance is also yes. out the window for the moment. But, so tell me a little bit about... The Lost Project and how, from start to finish, how a project happens, like with an artist and like getting someone commissioned to do a mural, finding the spot to do it, etc. Yeah. So uh, the way we typically work is that uh, a building or a um, like a facade will the the owner will reach out to us. Um, that's an important step. Is that you can't rent it and then pay pay for a mural. We have to be able to have permission from the building owner. Um, but they'll reach out to us and say we'd like to commission a mural. And our job, kind of at the Walls Project, is not only doing these murals but acting as that management system for artists. So we connect artists to the the people wanting the murals, and we pretty much through our Rolodex, we have a bunch of local artists, which is an amazing because it, the Rolodex keeps growing of who we have, um, which starting in 2012, we probably had a, less than a handful of, well, not graffiti artists, but large-scale muralists, and now we probably have about 15, 20, and, and that's just in the last uh, seven years. Um, but so after we find the right muralist for the project, 
we'll have sketches sent to the uh, organization requesting the mural. Um, we Funding right now is really important in that if you're requesting a mural, we either we can help you raise money for it or you contribute money towards it because right now as an organization, we don't have extra um, funding to, uh, I guess, dole out a grant for a mural. We'd like to get to that place because we do believe that murals are so effective in so many ways that we would love to have murals in every school, mm-hmm. in every uh, institution, nonprofit that you know, kind of acts like a school, like is a place for people to go and gather. Um, but we're not there yet. But what, but right now, you kind of you find your funding. We give you tools to help raise if you need. Um, and then um, we uh, sit down with the artist and the uh, organization that's getting the mural and go over the specs and the timeline of delivery. Typically, our murals, depending on scale and complexity, complexity will have between five days to three weeks and we have we do murals all types of ways there's a lot of ingenious ways you could do murals if it, if it's a location that say has a lot of power lines and so doing a boom lift is really dangerous which is that lift that raises you high um we'll uh instead do it on um like not, not necessarily plywood but like planks of how do you describe scaffolding Sca- not scaffolding oh. Well, um, yeah, I'm, sometimes I get really bad with words, but um, imagine plywood, large plywood that you paint, and then we install it to the wall. Oh, like a panel? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes, large panels that we paint, that the muralist paints, and basically creates a puzzle that he will install on the wall, so it's safer, and you could put murals where you really couldn't before. Mm-hmm. Um, we also do more than murals; we do um, sculptural installations. So at the um, women's hospital, the new women's hospital, uh, they have this uh, embracing estuary, is what it's called. It's on their um, NICU unit. If you overlook where the parents wait and the kids play while the babies are getting healthy in the NICU. Uh, you can overlook and see this sculpture that was done by Stephanie Landry, which has all these waves and grass, and it's um, has animals, and it's really fun, uh, and it's a nice, nice, interesting piece to put your mind on when you're trying to keep your mind off what's going on. Um, but it also, it's a nice element to have that's other than a mural. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't get to do a lot of those projects, but we love them because they're interesting and fun. Um, Kind of like our MLK Fest, we have our um, meditation labyrinth, which was made out of tires, and that was really cool. And uh, you just walk around in it, and I tried. It's very, it's, it, you can see over the tires. It's only like three tires high, but you get stuck in it, and you have to cheat. Like it, it, it takes a while to go through because the point of it is so that you walk through and reflect on just a lot of. It, where it came from is churches have it um, in old style churches so that you can reflect on on whatever is going on in your life and um, it's very interesting having these pieces out in the public for anybody to enjoy Um, and I think it brings awareness to a lot of things so y'all are kind of like an agency like a kind of yeah artist agency kind of yeah and um, I mean obviously they're allowed to work on their own um but a lot of places, nonprofits included, need help, and they don't know who to ask. Like, right. we need to hire photographers for our event. Let's hire the Futures Fund students so that 
not only are we getting the event photos that we need, but we're also helping them get the experience and just frankly that they are able to uh, know what it's really like to work and in kind of a safe environment because usually the people that we, we book with are friends of the organization. So there's a safety net involved, I think, for these students, which is eventually we will be taking that safety net away for them. But um, right now it's really good for them to get out, try it, know with the second shooter that it's not all on their shoulders because that's a lot of pressure. And they don't have to worry about, like, contracts and (laughs) scheduling and all that stuff. It's kind of just done for them. So in addition to the Futures Fund, what other programs does the Walls Project have? Yeah, so we have um, MLK Fest, which is our festival of service. It's a volunteer festival where we um, basically reach out to all of Baton Rouge to say, come help us reactivate and beautify a certain location. Uh, Typically, in the past, we've done um, pretty much all areas in North Baton Rouge. We've done uh, from Main Street to Gus Young Avenue to uh, Scenic Highway and Winburn Avenue, and next year we're doing Plank Road. Because um, our goal is to help kind of not only clean up but stimulate that economy up there and um, introduce people who have possibly never been to that side of Baton Rouge and knit that those communities together. Um, and then, coming what one of the projects we broke ground on in our newest program is Baton Roots, which is a community farm. Um, so if you are familiar with urban farms, they're usually farms that are in. Uh, places that aren't rural, uh, so cities. And I think they really started gaining popularity in New York and stuff. And it was a place where you can grow fruits and vegetables in a neighborhood. And so we have our Baton Roots Farm. It's on four acres of Breck Hall Park on Winburn Avenue. So we broke ground during MLK Fest. Um, But this is a program that, it's a farm that continually runs throughout the year. Our uh, program coordinator, Mitchell Provencal, it's there almost every day. Yes, uh, ten- we love you, Mitchell. Uh, yes, Mitchell. He's awesome. Yeah, Mitchell's great. Um, we um, we go there almost every day to, to keep the farm running, but we also, uh, we're going to start programming involving students called Hustle and Grow, where they learn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I know, and then the name's Baton Roots. It's so oh, cute. Oh, right. so good. Um, but yeah, Hustle and Grow is a program where we teach uh, 21st, century soft skills like professional development skills as well as uh farm or i guess horticultural training uh where we teach them how to grow and manage food um even the the marketing side of it the packaging and all that of getting fresh produce to your neighborhood and there's a lot of stewardship involved because now not only are they learning about producing food they're learning healthy eating and also that they are kind of, they're stewards of this garden for their community because mm-hmm. what they don't keep for themselves, they are, we, we give it to food pantries and stuff. That's the goal is to get access to fresh produce to, I, I believe it's all of 70805 yeah. within a year. And I think that's the significance of Bad Roots is that that area, 70805, is in a food desert. So mm-hmm. there are no places that people can go and buy fresh fruit fresh vegetables so this can be a resource for the people in that community because it's not fair you know that you have to drive so far away just to get like apples and bananas you know and everything that is in your area is frozen food so I just think it's really beautiful to not only provide people with the skills of farming in the area especially when Kids aren't thinking that farming is like sustainable. I don't know how to do any of that. Exactly. Like, can I come? And, like, <laughs> yeah. Thinking back yeah. to like farming, that's just like basic survival skills that I think we should all have. 
have. Like, yeah. how to, like, have your own fruits and vegetables, how to grow a little pot of, like, basil or something, you mm-hmm. know? But I just think it's just really going to be a beautiful program, and um, I'm excited to see what it's going to bring to that area. Mm-hmm. Well, and I feel like y'all can do so much cross-promotion with your programs, too, because it's like at Baton Rouge, you could have the kids come do photography and exactly. a lot. And so there's so many ways you can, like... It's like all a segue, you know? Yeah. And also with Baton Rouge, we are not there yet, but our goal is to, of course, integrate arts into it. So we want to do sculptures and um, sculptures made out of plants and things like that so that it's not only a place where there's farming, but a place that you can kind of tour and see and get to experience. Um, And there's also an intergenerational garden called Harmony Gardens, uh, to help with social isolation of elders so that it's more of that knitting the community. So the elderly come and have gardens and the teenagers come and have work on the farm and help with the gardens and they get to meet and they get, get to, to have talk. A conversation. Yes. You know? That's probably, if I could say the theme that's underlying everything of the Walls Project is dialogue. We want to instigate conversation and, and communication between our, ourselves. And I think, especially nowadays, because we're in such a, just a hashtag generation of just let me just post about this, but not actually talk about this. And I think that working on that is really a skill that we need to keep investing in because it will go away if we just continually stay on our phones and Mm -hmm. only talk to each other that way. That's partially why I wanted to do a podcast too, because I I had been having all these amazing conversations with random people throughout any Instagram or just even just like I'll be at a party and I'm talking to someone Mm -hmm. and I'm like that was interesting right who are you yeah (laughs) like um but not everyone wants to just like follow my blog or my Instagram and hear what I have to say I Mm -hmm. like I think people want to hear like what you have to say with me talking to you or whatever and I think so the whole like you said dialogue conversational aspect of podcasting and videos and um just community events and stuff is what everyone's been kind of like lacking Mm -hmm. because we've been in such this like visual, digital, Bubbles. I don't know, age yes. for whoever yeah, right. knows how long. And it's not like this is new. Like, they were doing radio shows in the 30s. Like, right. But it's just like... It's more organic. The conversational like, aspect know. is what's missing. And I, I keep saying, too, it's not like I want to, like, type this long Instagram caption and no one's going to read it and they're mm-hmm. going to scroll right through it. And I'm guilty of doing that, too. And so if you want to, like, listen to a conversation, that you can have, like, a podcast conversation with someone. So that's kind of the whole point mm-hmm. of why Absolutely. I started this anyways. And so I'm really glad you all reached out to me <laughs> yeah, because right. that's just further furthering your um, – idea of dialogue that you just talked about I think just y'all even reaching out to me to do it so of course yeah we we definitely want to uh one of the reasons we reached out to you with as the walls project not as ourselves individually um is that the story of the walls is something that we want to have heard and the the fact that walls has so many programs that a lot of people don't know the connection of like Mm -hmm. I know that even with us scheduling that you didn't know that futures fund was the same as a, a part of the walls pro- right. a project so right. it's it's something that we really want people to know it's all the same program so if you if you contribute to one or donate your time to another you're still helping 
the same individuals that are running the, the, the great programming that's available to you. Yeah, I think that's like a funny side story to talk about is that like I know Taylor through the photography world and I've seen her post about Futures Fun and she reached out to me about podcasting and so we scheduled a date and then Helena right. reached out to me about podcasting yeah. we scheduled a date and literally then I got an email from days. Taylor that was like, oh, I'm in well, a room. I literally <laughs> walked, we have, we have offices yes. right next to each other so I literally walked in her office and I don't remember how I brought it up but I just brought it up that I was doing, oh, because yeah. I asked if you wanted to come yeah, on Yeah, and I was like, me. I'm already going. Oh, yeah. That's why it's yeah. so funny because it's like, first of all, Baton Rouge is smaller than everyone thinks. <laughs> it's a small, yeah. big city. <laughs> but right. second of all, like, because I didn't even know and I feel like I'm pretty, I don't want to say I'm like knowledgeable, but like I know a lot of the creatives in town mm-hmm. and I feel like I've networked quite a bit and I still don't even know. So yeah, it's just, you never know. more to learn, you know. Yeah, you never know what's going on and I think just having a platform to talk about stuff is how things get, you know, recognition. Exactly. So, um, I'm really glad that y'all were talking about that. But, so a favorite question of mine I don't ever like to bring things like to a negative uh-huh. tone mm-hmm. but what are some of the frustrations y'all have had with what you do I think it's interesting to hear about those kind of hurdles I think for me personally since I am a creative and I'm always thinking like in this artistic realm and just thinking big picture and bringing things to life having to deal with a lot of logistics and operations can sometimes be a weakness of mine and I kind of get bogged down with it and don't know where to go next. Mm -hmm. But what it has taught me is that I can keep moving forward and that you just have to take each little portion of what you're planning or bringing to life, just take it one bite at a time. Like, don't... I am a big thinker, like a big picture thinker is a better way to say it, no pun intended. Um, (laughs) But... I had to teach myself that you have to take the little baby steps to get to your end goal. And that has resonated in more than just my work life, but also in my personal life that everything can't get done in a day. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. So just take your time, do what you can today, go to sleep, wake up tomorrow and keep doing it, you know. And I think just also learning the skills behind operations and logistics and processes. Mm -hmm. I've been able to take that from what I do at the Walls Project with the Futures Fund and bring that to my own personal business and vice versa because there were some things that I was doing in my own business that I was like, hey, have we ever, like, started, like, a client inquiry form for our Futures Fund photography students? I was able to bring that there. So, I think that, like, with everything in life and the way that I'm trying to move forward with my mantra is that, or mantra, who knows, potato time. <laughs> Once again, <laughs> we never uh, know. Is that, like, there is, like, darkness in every, there, there has to be some darkness mm-hmm. for things to be bright. There has to be right. some brightness for things to be dark. Like, just understanding that contrast of things and learning how to push forward through that. Mm-hmm. That was so eloquent. I know. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. I um, for me, um, I would say really reflective of what Taylor is saying. Only I do love, I absolutely love operations, which is kind of funny, but right. <laughs> that right. you hate it right. so much. <laughs> but um, for me, the biggest pains that I come across is just the fact that everything is so slow. It takes so long, mm-hmm. you know, with, you know, especially working with the government, things take so long. And I think as creatives, we want that instant gratification. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, so saying that we're going to develop a partnership with somebody and you're like, okay, so we're going to be doing so stuff do next it. week. But no, it's like, no, it's going to be a slow burn. It's going to be, we won't see like this true partnership for two years. Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh. I know. Can you imagine? I'm so impatient. I die. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So... But on the flip side, it's taught us a lot of patience and that people can't be hurried on some things and that you have to let the other side dictate the the flow. 
but it's also the squeaky wheel gets the oil. So also never forgetting and, and letting go of those leads and making sure that those partnerships come to fruition. Uh, sometimes it takes a little bit more poking than others, mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of times it's just just internal bureaucracy within organizations that they have to go through just to, to do partnerships. Yeah. Um, so if I would say anything, it's like have those partnerships come easier for us, mm -hmm. but I don't see that happening just how the world works. Um, so just accepting mm -hmm. that loss of control of time and instant gratification, I think, was a, is a huge learning step for everyone in the organization um and luckily casey has led very good examples of for us of developing relationships and telling us how these things work because uh, i know that if it was just me and taylor starting out together we would have probably given up six months in <laughs> because we're like yeah. wait we have to like mature things and not do it tomorrow so right. that's a really good reminder and something i think that people who work for themselves forget because like for me, if I want to build a website, I'll just be like, all right, I'll sign up for Squarespace. <laughs> yeah. I'll just start making my graphics. We'll get it uploaded. I'll take headshots at 4 p.m. We'll get yeah. it up. Like, because it's just me. Yeah. But, like, if you're working for someone, there's, like, a whole process of, like, how things need to be approved. And, like, someone needs to be copied on this email. Yes. And then that you have to wait on the budget and blah, blah, blah. And it's, there's an element of that when you work for yourself because you have clients and um, you're waiting on them to email you back or whatever. But I think it's a good reminder because I'm very impatient and I don't think working for myself has helped that impatience because right. I'm just like, I'll launch it today. Like, who cares? <laughs> like, and we're just going to do it now. And my boyfriend, Christian, is very opposite of me of that. He's always reminding me, like, you need to, like, plan a little more. And I'm yeah. like, meh, right. we're just going to do it. But I think that's a good reminder to have because not everything can be, you said, built in a day. Right. Yeah. A lot can, but... Not everything. Can't. Especially relationships, you know? That's true. That's so true. Um, especially in what y'all do with the nonprofit world. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been asking this question to kind of everyone, and since there's two of y'all, this will be interesting. But what are three tips or habits you could share with listeners who might be out there wanting to overcome some sort of, like, difficulty with their passion projects or their creativity? So I would say number one is just to not give up. Um, there's been times that I would just saw it wasn't happening fast enough for mm -hmm. me or like mm -hmm. I wasn't getting the amount of clients that I wanted in a given time because it was a slow season. So I should know that already, but there were times I wanted to give up, but I eventually would get to the other side of it and I would look back and I would say, wow, I'm so happy that I decided to keep on doing what I love. Mm -hmm. And even though it's hard, it's worth it. And that's why it is hard. And there's beauty in that journey and just trust the second thing going to this <laughs> next thing. It's just trusting your situation, trusting your journey and understanding that it's very unique from anyone else. Stop comparing yourself to people that you see on Instagram and what they're doing and just invest in yourself, invest in your peace, invest in your skill, just invest in the ability to be resilient, honestly, because like life isn't easy. And especially as a creative life is not easy as a creative, but I think that is what makes it so like, I couldn't be doing anything other than this mm -hmm. because it's like my own journey and I'm dictating the paths. And of course, like I can't control everything in a sense, but I do have the ability to control certain things in my life and make sure that I'm on the right route to success. Oh yeah. Well, you gave me like 10 yeah. things, yeah. which is great. I thought so. No, yeah. it's fine. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm going to come back to you on that, but cool. hold yeah. on. I want Helena's take on that. 
Okay, on um, what she specifically said? Or just yeah. your three tips. Yeah. Okay, um, well, I think a lot of them kind of match what Taylor said. Um, for me specifically, one thing that took me a while to kind of come to terms with is that the journey isn't a straight line, mm-hmm. that every job is a opportunity to learn something new, that you have no idea you'd be able to apply to, um, that learning opportunities are always something to strive for. I think a lot of creatives do want to learn as much as possible, um, and that's a great concept to to, to continue to go after. Mm-hmm. Um, another tip I would say, I mean, I, I like the trust yourself because it's so important. Hmm. I think... Wow, it's it's so hard because it's like I know. I hate yeah. putting people in the yeah, spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I try. Well, I'm trying to make sure my answers I say are like ten though, so I probably stole one of your. No, no, I'm Sorry. just trying to make sure that my answers are very poignant. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, honestly, what I've I feel like it's all things I've recently learned um, to relax, to just just chill out because sometimes we are so adamant on having everything work out for ourselves and that if it doesn't, it's the end of the world. It's and not. It's, it's not, not the end of the world it's if something not. doesn't work out. And, and just even learning that in the nonprofit world that you can, you can make a plan and work the plan, but not everything comes out how you want. Exactly. And don't let that crumble you because the, the more important work can't be done if the little things are causing you to fall apart. Mm-hmm. And so... That's true. It's like yeah. the more you invest the time in being mad that something went wrong, you could have spent that time in making a new plan and bringing a whole new idea to life. So it's like why even like dwell on those things that didn't work when you can just start planning something new? Mm-hmm. Have y'all heard that metaphor about like the jar with the rocks and the sand? No. I think, yes, yes. Tell me I more. saw the visual of it. I'm going to butcher this. Every episode I come up with like some crazy thing I heard somewhere and I really I know it. I can tell but, it if you want. Yes, yeah. you tell okay. me. So in the visual, it was a teacher showing he takes a a glass jar and he talks about like so the things that are important to you are the rocks Mm -hmm. and you put the rocks in first and um the things that um are the little things that aren't as important are is gravel and so you add the gravel and the things that are the little little things it's the sand and you add it if you add it where the important the rocks are first um, you're able to fill the jar up completely and have a full life. But if you do the sand first, then the gravel, and then the rocks, the rocks, you can't even fit all the rocks in because the spaces aren't evenly distributed. So it's about that of balancing what bothers you and what's important to mm-hmm. you and making sure that you are making a jar that's full rather than focusing on the little things and not leaving room for the bigger things. I think mm, you good. described that way better than I was fixing <laughs> to. Great. I was just picturing that, that all in my yeah. mind. I'm like, I want to make a little rock installation. Yeah. In my yeah. Hair. Well, I think it. that the, whoever told me about this, we were using it in terms of like how to tackle your day, mm-hmm. like what tasks yes. in your day. Yeah. It's like tackle the big things because if you get caught up like doing the emails and then this and yeah. that, yeah. then you're just going to fill it all up with sand and you still have to get the big things done and then it'll go last on your list and the next day happens and then you just are stuck on this hamster wheel of like sand. Right. <laughs> yeah. And But it's so applicable to what y'all were saying about just like relaxing and like just don't worry about the little things because mm-hmm. it's the rocks you know, that fill up the jar. And not that I'm a Gandhi or anything, but um, I think that's a really good visual. And it's also, there's, like, that meme, I love the meme, too. It's not even, like, a meme, but it's, like, the carrot 
the two carrots and like one yes. carrot has like a big sprout but like it's a little root and then like the other carrot is like super long under the ground but it has like the tiniest sprout on top mm-hmm. and it's like to like equi- the equivalent of like you don't really know what's going on underneath and how much you work versus how much you see mm-hmm. um, right. which is another good one I love but to segue into this um, y'all were both talking about like just trusting yourself and the process and your journey what can y'all tell me about like finding your tribe and support system as a creative person like how have y'all been able to do that yes I would say if you haven't found your creative tribe yet go out today tonight tomorrow and find them as soon as possible so I'm naturally an introverted person so for and I'm was naturally shy for a long time so I just wasn't going out to talk to people you know I really stayed in my space and I was observant of things happening around me but I never took the initiative to actually go and start talking to people and start really good conversations so one day it kind of just hit me that I'm missing out by not talking to people and telling them about myself because I have like really cool things to share and other people have cool things that they can share with me as well and as soon as I started to open myself up to meeting others and just being a person that is there to help others that same stuff came back to me you know like Mm -hmm. the more I give to others the more they give back to me and that's and that's not giving like things material things just giving the support and that could be like a simple text or a simple Instagram message or even I'm always sharing like inspirational inspirational quotes on Instagram and things just because I know like some of my days I don't want to keep going and pushing but I'm like let me just find a quote and share (laughs) and somebody else is going through the same thing or something even worse you know so I just think that when you find those people, it helps you along your journey, you know. They keep you grounded. They keep you there to motivate you and push you. And like I was saying back there a few minutes ago about not giving up, if it wasn't for my support system, I probably would have given up mm-hmm. a long time ago, you know. Right. So it's just important to have those people in your life that, that aren't bringing any negativity. They're only just showering you with positive thoughts and just they want to help you and see you grow as an individual. Yeah, and just like she said, networking is so important, and not treating it like a business. Exactly. You know, like opportunity. Just be you. Make friends. Um, Like I, I I went to the same conference that you went to, Venture Pop. Yes. Yes. Love that conference. um, So trying. Even then, I was still very new and fresh, and and scared, intimidated by all the other individuals. Everybody had something better than me, and I don't deserve to talk to anybody. But that was something that I had to grow into, that I have a story that other people might want to hear and just tell it anyway. And if they don't want to hear it, they'll just walk away. Exactly. So, and then it's funny, I was just, while you were talking, Taylor, I was remembering that me reaching out to you was the first time that we actually even talked to each other. Was We were on a Facebook group together yeah. and I was just getting into logo design and I just wanted to do something fun. And I was like, I need somebody who wants a logo and you know, I wanted it to be like a pat, like a one I would actually want to do rather than like right. a so lawn care. Your portfolio. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. So Taylor reached out and I was like, you know, looked at her stuff. I was like, oh, she's so good. And even so many years ago, yeah. you were so good. And um, so I did her logo and and a, but I would say our true relationship didn't start until we actually started talking to each other in real life. Right. So don't stop at your Instagram DMs and you know thinking you have a tribe like really find the time to get together yeah hang out with people like make time I know you we have like tons of things to edit and to work on but (laughs) clear a day out in the week and just go have drinks with somebody and just talk talk about life 
ask people how they are, you know, like, and don't give them like, oh, I'm good or I'm busy. <laughs> like really get into these conversations with people and check in on them because you never know what someone is dealing with. And just being able to have people that you can be transparent with and not sugarcoat things like it kind of is like kind of like therapy, you know, like right. not meeting with a therapist, but your friends can kind of be your therapist sometimes, too, you know, and like I'm just really blessed. Shout out to all of my girlfriends and like <laughs> everything that you do for me. But like it really has impacted me as a person. And like I am, am still an introvert very much. Mm-hmm. And after I socialize, I need like three days in the house alone <laughs> to, recharge. Oh, yeah. to, to recharge. But I now like really enjoy the space of going out and talking to people and being confident about that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a, um, an age old thing. Like even when like you're a little kid, yeah. like in the playground, it's the same problem now like you're like sitting on the outskirts like well and even like social people like I'm very social but just like you I can do a podcast with people every day until a certain point then I'm like I need no one to come over today (laughs) like we Mm -hmm. need to like not speak to anyone today um and it it can be hard in the age we live in where everything's so interconnected and like there's notifications and everyone expects to see what you're doing at all times and like I've made a commitment to try to post something every day on Instagram and some days I don't feel like it but sometimes Mm -hmm. those are the days I'll just post a picture of something I took and be like this is this and then bye and so it's kind of um, hard to network in real life when you're not feeling it. Mm-hmm. But every time I end up doing it, I'm so grateful I did. Exactly. There's so many meetings that I was almost like, oh, I'm not going to go this time. Or, oh, yes. I don't want to go to this conference today. Or I'm not going to do this, whatever. And, like, every time I do it, I'm so glad I did. Right. I feel um, that after every meeting I go to, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have this meeting. I'm nervous. And then I go, and I'm like, that was great. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, let's you know? do it more often. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really, really solid tip um, that y'all both talked about. But so we're about an hour. Y'all have been very punctual and efficient. I think this <laughs> conversation has been super great. Awesome. That sounded lame. Super great. <laughs> um, so where can everyone keep up with y'all, specifically in the Walls Project? Okay, so start with the Walls Project. Um, we have Facebook and Instagram uh, at Walls Project. So no the in front. So Walls W A L L S Project. Um, same with Facebook as well as um, Futures Fund is it's at the Futures. Fund. Yeah, that one has a the yes, in front. So okay, at the Futures Fund on Instagram and the Futures Fund on Facebook. Okay, we yeah. also have the futuresfund.org. And thewallsproject.org. Okay. Um, and then for me, uh, I know I have many Instagrams out there. I've actually maxed out how many I can have on my Instagram. But, <laughs> but um, I'm with you on that. For me, uh, it's uh, at Hellcat, so H-E-L-L-K-A-T, Designs Co, C-O. Um, that is my enamel pin and T-shirt hobby place. Cool. Yeah. And you can find me on Instagram at golden time tay golden like the sun time like a clock and tay t-a-y <laughs> also my website is taylorshunter.com so hit me up yeah and i finally have show notes now so i can actually link all those Ooh, things yeah. so for anyone listening who's interested you can go to jordanheffler.com slash show notes and there will be um, a link to this episode whenever i launch it i never know when i'm launching these things <laughs> right. when i'm actually recording them so stay tuned but um i'll be able to link all of your things there and i'll awesome. make sure to share some of y'all's individual work along yeah, with cool. walls project but thank you so much for coming and it's been a really thank good you. chat yeah it's been great it's been I love fun. This. hey y'all just popping in to give a big thanks to you for listening to this episode of do what you want radio As always, if you are enjoying what you're listening to, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, and follow if you're on Spotify. Show notes for this episode and more can be found at dowhatyouwantradio.com. 
I am super active on my Instagram account at Jordan Heffler if you're interested in keeping up with me there. And I also have a weekly email newsletter that you can subscribe to at jordanheffler.com slash subscribe. Every Thursday, I send out a tip of the week along with promotional information about my Do What You Want workshop series, online e-courses that help you learn to create authentically branded content that leverage growth on your social media platforms all by yourself. I also have Lightroom presets, merchandise, and just general information about my life and photography business in these email newsletters. Y'all are so awesome for listening. Thank you so much. And until next time, keep doing what you want. (laughs) Did that sound too fake?